Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Job 6 and 7 called Job's Tough Questions. Now, Job, as he's been really addressing his friends, says, For the despairing man, there should be kindness from his friend so that he does not forsake the fear of the Almighty. That's, again, Shaddai. This is a response to Eliphaz. Write down Job 5.17. He who withholds kindness from a friend, ESV, forsakes the fear of the Almighty. One writer says, Friendship in the Old Testament carries with it strong obligation, even covenant, to show loyalty, especially when a friend is suffering. Job implicitly accuses his three friends of failing to show him loyal sympathy and love. The Greek or the Hebrew word is hesed. They thought they knew why he had experienced this and why he was still suffering, but they failed to be kind. They thought if they could come up with a religiously systematized answer, a philosophical or uh, religious answer, that would suffice. And Job's saying, no, that's not going to do it. What I really needed was your kindness. And you've made it harder. My brothers have acted deceitfully, illustration like a wadi, like the torrents of wadis which vanish, which are turbid because of ice and into which the snow melts. When they become waterless, they are silent. When it is hot, they vanish from their place. The paths of their course wind along. They go up into nothing and perish. The caravans of Timah look. The travelers of Sheba hope for them. They were disappointed for they had trusted They came there and were confounded. A desert wadi in the hills in certain climates can be filled with icy water from the melting snows above. But in the summer, the wadi becomes bone dry. Imagine a caravan of traders, perhaps from Timah, which is the center of trade routes in northwestern Arabia. As they journey, they found that they are running out of water. Somebody remembers that several miles off in a trade route up in the foothills, there's a flowing stream. Warily, they make their detour using their last supplies of water on the way. But when they get to the stream, they find it is parched and arid. Disappointment floods their hearts. They were mistaken in their hopes. When you are in desperate need of water and come to a place where there should be water, but there is none, it is devastating. Thus, Job says, that is what you guys are like to me. You should have been overflowing with kindness towards me in my trials but you're like a dried up brook. You're not dependable. I was hoping desperately for refreshment in your company, for living water, as Jesus mentioned to the woman at the well, but instead, what I got was dryness and brittleness and emptiness. If we, who are human, cannot weigh somebody's pain on some sort of scale, and we offer advice when we don't really know what's at the heart of an issue, and we think that we can just, you know, come up with something and say, hey, this is the answer, and we don't know, we can get ourselves in trouble. We can end up actually making somebody worse off than better off. You might say, well, then, Pastor Michael, what should you do when you don't really know? Maybe something like this. Hey, I don't know what God's doing right now, Let's pray. Maybe it just needs to be that simple. 
Because whenever you try to think of something good, you usually get yourself in trouble. Ever been there before? Okay, let me rehearse what I'm going to say. You're, you're driving over there, right? This is the, okay, now if I say this right at this exact time, along with a little bit of this over here, wait a minute, is that the Holy Spirit or is that you? Sometimes you come upon a situation and you're like, you know what? I, I don't know. And I think sometimes maturity leads us to say, I don't know. Like it used to be back in the day when you'd see a, a kid who was out of control, you'd say to that parent, you know, why don't you control your kid? <laughs> and then you have children. <laughs> my sister used to give me a bad time because I said that to her one time. And then my boys, my boys are wonderful boys, but you know, they were still kids and they had their moments. And my sister would say, hey, Michael, why don't you control your kid? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Indeed, you have now become such, you see a terror and are afraid, 22. Have I said, give me something or offer a bribe for me from your wealth or deliver me from the hand of the adversary? Have I asked you for anything, Job says to his friends, or redeem me from the hand of the tyrants? A covenant friend back in the ancient times, like Abraham did for Lot or David and Jonathan, uh, sometimes because of a covenant obligation would go and rescue them redeem them, help them pay off a debt. Job says, I've asked for none of that from you guys, but you've come here with your presuppositions, and we're only going to do chapter six because I can already see we're out of time. (laughs) You guys are right. The reason that you've got yourself in trouble, please hear what I'm about to say, is that you've come with your presuppositions and your pride. You thought you knew what was going on, before you actually talk to me. Anybody ever made that mistake before? We, we come on our white horse riding into a situation. I, I did this, I have to confess, with the boys when they were younger. You know, my wife, I'd come home, my wife was in a bit of a spin. <laughs> I'd come in on the white horse, who did it? Who should I kill first? Here I come to save the day. That's from Mighty Mouse. And, and then I, they try to explain it, that quiet! line up 25 push-ups right now one arm (laughs) you know but that that, that. and I honestly would say there's times when I had some regrets of not letting them share see when we come with our presuppositions and pride and we don't listen imagine that they imagine the three friends traveling from their long distances okay Job's lost everything house folded in the on the kids animals stolen Job's sick from head to toe. He's got this disease. Nobody even knows what it is. His wife cursed him and said, go ahead and curse God and die. Man, this, this dude, I can't imagine what he's done wrong, but I can think of about 10 things that he probably did. Maybe 15, maybe 20, right? So you ride into town. Okay, Job. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Nice soliloquy. Okay, that's enough of that. Now, listen up. We'll straighten you out on a few things. And Job's essentially saying, you didn't even listen to me. You didn't even hear my heart. I didn't ask you for anything, but listen, teach me and I'll be silent, 24. Show me how I I have erred. See the word erred there? It's the word for unintentional sins in Leviticus. If I've committed some unintentional sin, Job is not denying that he's a sinner and he could have done something. Show me. 
How I have erred. How painful are honest words, 25. But what does your argument prove? If you have the ESV, it says, how forceful are upright words, but what does reproof from you reprove? If you could truly show me where I've gone wrong, then I would listen and I would be humble about it. I could benefit from it. But you haven't done that. Do you intend to reprove my words? When the words of one in despair belong to the wind, verse 26 says, one writer says, the sense is, though the verse is not easy to understand, do you want to put right what I say and treat my despairing words as empty wind? You're not really listening. You're not taking me seriously when you try to impose your, your simple system of religion on my pain. Job saying, please hear me. You would even cast lots for the orphans and barter over your friend. I feel like you guys are playing a religious game to see which one of you is right about my situation. Let's roll the dice. Okay, if it's a six, he did this wrong. If it's a seven, he did this wrong. Come on, seven. Job's like, what are you guys doing? You know, we have a whole industry that's built on gossip. The next morsel to take in. A couple years back, I was, uh, where was I? I was getting my hair cut. And they had a show on where one after another, it was stories, gossip stories about the latest buzz in Hollywood. And, oh, and then this person over here broke up with so-and-so and cheating with so-and-so. And after every story was complete, the audience would go, Coming up, the next juicy morsel of gossip. Some of you know what I'm talking about, don't you? And, and, and this person over here, and look at them. They got this picture of them in the swimsuit. They gained 40 pounds. And, and whoop, 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 whoop. So I mentioned this in a sermon. All right. Lady comes up to me. I hope she's not here tonight. I don't think she is. She says, Pastor Michael, I haven't been in church for a while. And I came, and you did that whole thing. And you know what I was watching yesterday? Whoop, whoop, whoop. She goes, I, I, I'm kind of into that thing. And I watch it, and boy, I felt convicted. And I was like, whoa, whoa, praise the Lord. Whoa. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah, thank you. When Jesus was on the cross, the soldiers began to cast lots for his garments. They say in the ancient world, if you owed, if you had a debt that you couldn't pay, uh, sometimes what would happen is that people would uh, look at your belongings, including your children, and cast lots to see what they would take from you to repay the debt. When Jesus was dying on the cross, Psalm 22 prophetically says that they divide my garments among them, 22:18, and for my clothing they cast lots. Can you imagine if you were dying on the cross and you watched people gambling for your clothing? Hey, which one of us is going to get that piece? Job says, that's what I feel like. I feel like you guys haven't even heard me. And you're casting lots to see which one of you is right. Look at 28. Now, please look at me and see if I lie to your face. Have they been looking away? 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Pastor Michael Lance has invited you to celebrate Easter at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. Early risers can come to the first service at 6 a.m. Just bring a chair and a blanket, maybe a carafe of coffee or whatever you need, and we'll be celebrating the Lord early in the morning as the sun comes up. Make sure you and the family are hungry. On that morning, we're also having a breakfast, and it will support an amazing ministry called Royal Family Kids Camp. We're going to have pancakes following the sunrise service and before the 10 a.m. normal. That 10 a.m. service will have indoor and outdoor seating. Now, if you haven't been to church in like a year, and remember the shutdowns really came into effect around Easter time last year, it was strange not to be together with the church last Easter. That's not going to happen this year. We're going to be with the saints of God, man. And if you haven't been to church for a while, what a great time to come back. Visit Living Truth Christian Fellowship on Easter Sunday at 6 a.m. or 10 a.m. The address is 1009 Arsenal Way in Corona. Download the Living Truth app for more information or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's the Living Truth app or call 844-48-TRUTH. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Look at your belongings, including your children and cast lots to see what they would take from you to repay the debt. When Jesus was dying on the cross, Psalm 22 prophetically says that they divide my garments among them, 2218, and for my clothing they cast lots. Can you imagine if you were dying on the cross and you watched people gambling for your clothing? Hey, which one of us is going to get that piece? Job says, that's what I feel like feel like you guys haven't even heard me and you're casting lots to see which one of you is right look at 28 now please look at me and see if I lie to your face have they been looking away when somebody says please look at me have you ever been there before Have you ever had been in a situation where someone's talking to you, but they're going like this? And so, in conclusion, I think the problem with you is that, and you're over here. And 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 if you would just get it together, then things could move. And you're like, hey, I'm over here. One thing I tried to teach my kids when they were young, my boys, was give a solid handshake and look people in the eye, and then wink at them. (laughs) Now I had to do it. Don't give them the wet fish thing, please. Come on. Grab the hand. Look them in the eye. Chest bump. (laughs) No, I'm just. He says, look at me. They might say, you're pretty hard to look at, Job. You got boils from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, and they're oozing. And We're going to see that It's possible that Job even had worms or maggots on his body. That would cause you to look away. Job says, I want you to look at me. See if I'm lying. It says of the Messiah in Isaiah 53, 3, 
He's despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Jesus is dying on the cross and people said, don't look at him. He's under the curse of God. But if you're the Messiah, come down from the cross and we'll believe in you. And the book of Job is about ultimately about finding our answers in the face of Jesus. Do you know that in the next chapter, the one to whom Job will complain is the one who's going to come into this world and die being totally innocent and die for the sins of others. And so Job says, desist now, cease and desist. Let there be no injustice, even desist. My righteousness is yet in it. Is there injustice on my tongue? I cannot, excuse me, cannot my palate discern calamities. Job says, just stop. Don't talk anymore. And look, Eliphaz's speech wasn't that bad. But Job says, look, you've missed the mark. I am a worshiper of God. If there's injustice on my tongue, I don't know of it. Can I discern what I would have done in my own life? If I had committed some, like, let's say that Job cheated on his wife. Wouldn't he have said to his friends in all likelihood, okay, this is what I did wrong. Don't you think I can discern my calamity? Cease and desist. Stop with your arguments. Because right now, I don't feel like you love me. I feel like I'm a pawn in your religious discussions. Oh, how easy it is for us to talk about other people when we're not going through it. Over to John 7, and we're done, says the preacher. John 7. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus had many confrontations with the religious leadership of his day, and the people sometimes got involved into it as well, the people around. This is John 7, 19. John 7, 19. Jesus says, Did not Moses give you the law? Yet none of you carries out the law. Why do you seek to kill me? The multitude, John 7, 20, answered, You have a demon. Who seeks to kill you? Jesus answered and said to them, I did one deed, and you all marvel. On this account, Moses has given you circumcision, not because it is from Moses, but from the fathers. And on the Sabbath, you circumcise a man. 23. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath, that the law of Moses may not be broken. Are you angry with me because I made an entire man well on the Sabbath? Do not judge according to appearance. What's the Bible say? From the mouth of Jesus. Judge. So that means judging is biblical. But judge with what? a right or righteous judgment. That is what Job is saying to his friends. But now, be so kind to look at me. Would I lie to your face? Relent. Don't be unjust. Reconsider, for my integrity is at stake. Is there any wickedness on my lips? From the NIV. Can my mouth not discern malice? Father, we are humbled as we go through the book of Job because there's so much I think especially in Job's speeches that we can learn about difficulty and pain and how we respond to others and even ourselves as we go through uh, this life. This life is filled with so many beautiful, wonderful moments to celebrate. And yet this is a broken world and there are times and seasons of great pain. Some of it's inexplicable. And sometimes 
when we try to bring easy, systematized answers to problems, we miss the mark. Not always, but sometimes. The book of Job is a great lesson about not rushing to judgment, about making sure that we understand that God may be doing something in someone's life that we cannot see. And maybe even tonight, for some who are here or may listen to this later, that's exactly what's going on. God is allowing something for his divine purposes. And maybe it's to grow us. Maybe it's a testimony to angels. Maybe it's a witness to a family member or friend who won't be here very long. Maybe it's a chance to impact someone with the way we conduct ourselves in the midst of suffering. Lord, we realize that it's not always our greatest witness is not always when life is perfect and blessed, in quotes. Sometimes our strongest witness is when life isn't going well, we may even be suffering, and yet we say, I'm going to follow him. For 2,000 years, Lord, we know the church is, uh, has enjoyed the power of your resurrection. I want to know him, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings. And Lord, we don't like to talk about this much because it's not a pleasant topic, but there is fellowship in suffering. As Paul discovered, and I think every Christian who walks with the Lord discovers that there's a certain beauty, a fragrance that comes out of a Christian's life in suffering and holding on to the gospel, which is not just for this life, but has eternal implications. See, there's more time ahead of us than that which is behind us. And sometimes we just fail, Lord, honestly, to see it or to remember that eternity is a long time. And you've prepared a place for us, which is going to last forever. This can put our present sufferings, if we are suffering, in its proper context, even though, Lord, from this pulpit, I would never diminish someone's pain and suffering. But I do pray that your grace and the goodness of our God and the hope of the gospel would spur those on who may be in a season of suffering and may even be asking some tough questions about what you may be doing in their life or somebody close to them. And if that's the case, I pray that they would be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that not one thing that they do for you is ever in vain. You've been listening to Job's Tough Questions, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. And that was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapters 6 and 7. Hey, if you have no plans for Easter Sunday, Pastor Michael would love to meet you at Living Truth Christian Fellowship here in Corona, California. Our Sunday morning service is at 10 a.m. And if you live outside Southern California, we would still love to have you watch the service on our YouTube live stream. You can find it when you visit walkintruth.com or by downloading the Living Truth app. It's the one with the red logo with the pillars. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a word. Recently, I had a chance to be at a high school gathering where they had questions about heaven. Such a wonderful interaction, such a great time to see teenagers uh, thinking deeply about the topic of heaven. What a great subject. And it was so hopeful because we were talking about life beyond the grave. We were talking about heaven and the new Jerusalem and when we're all going to be resurrected and there's no more curse, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death. All of our questions will be answered that day in the face of Christ. He's the answer to every question. 
And that day is coming. Right now we do have our questions. And there's a part two coming on this teaching that you can listen to. And you can also watch for free on the Living Truth app. We've been telling you about it a lot. It's the red logo with the pillars. Go to your app store, download it for free. You can catch up at the local church, Living Truth, where I serve as senior pastor. And uh, it's just so awesome to be able to reach out to people through these platforms. So go to the Living Truth app and watch that message. Now, tomorrow we're going to be doing a, a Good Friday teaching on the King Bears the Cross, and that will prepare us for Resurrection Sunday morning. And this is going to be about the passion of the Christ. This is going to be about the events of the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what we uh, honor on Good Friday and uh, leading up to Good Friday. And we'll have a three-part message for you starting tomorrow. So tune in for that. Tell a friend, hey, if you want to hear about what happened to Jesus and the gospel Tune in tomorrow. Keep us in prayer. We love you, and we'll see you right here. God bless. One more reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Thanks to listeners and church partners like you, we're now on three more radio stations, so praise God. If you're a longtime listener, please become a partner of at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. Remember, we've skipped over some of Pastor Michael's teachings in the book of Job. But you can listen or watch those teachings when you download our free Living Truth app. It's the one with the red logo with the pillars. And join us tomorrow for a special Good Friday teaching by Pastor Michael called The King Bears the Cross. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.